Are you looking for a memorable getaway for your family that's packed with adventure? Look no further than Lake Erie. Powderhook, in partnership with the Great Lakes Fishery Commission, has all the resources you need to plan your adventure to the walleye capital of the world. The best part is, you don't have to be an experienced angler or own a boat to have a fantastic time on the water. While walleye are the main attraction, Lake Erie also offers excellent fishing for yellow perch, trout, steelhead, salmon, and bass. The options are endless, and there's so much to explore on Lake Erie. Knowledgeable and friendly fishing guides are eager to serve you. Whether you want to hire a charter, secure a seat on a headboat, fish from the shore, ice fish, or do a DIY trip on your own boat, all these options are at your disposal with a bit of planning and preparation. Find everything you need at powderhook.com. That's powderhook.com. We know what's biting and can help you enjoy a wonderful fishing experience on Lake Erie. ButcherBox makes it super easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty. And ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your front door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at ButcherBox.com forward slash WP and use code WP. Today's guest has nearly half a century of experience with gun dogs. Ron Bame is one of the best wing shooters in the country, and he's the host of the well-known show, The Hunting Dog Podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk about Ron's favorite breed of dogs, what's in his bag of tricks for training, the most common thing that people get wrong with training hunting dogs, how he's tracking his pups with the GPS, and we'll talk about much more. Ron is also the first guy to smoke a stogie from the start to the finish of the show, an achievement I'm kind of mad at myself for not getting to first. But here we are. Congratulations, Ron, on that. Now, before we go on, I want to mention a few things about Go Wild, the creator of this show, the one that brings you this awesome show, Gearbox Talk. We have a social platform. We have shopping on this platform. If you sign up for said social platform, we're going to give you $10 to spend. All you got to do is create an account. You get 10 bucks into your account to give it a try. Hopefully you like it. Hopefully you stick around. We donate a portion of the proceeds from, from everything that you buy into a nonprofit that teaches kids to hunt. What's better than that? So if you want to give back, you want you got to buy the gear anyways, do it through Go Wild. We're going to give you 10 bucks to try it. You can go to downloadgowild.com, create an account, get 10 bucks. All right, enough of that advertisement for Go Wild. Let's talk about this show here with Ron Bame. This is Gearbox Talk with the Hunting Dog Podcast guy himself. Bane, welcome to Gearbox Talk. How's it going, man? If it was any better, it'd be against the law. I think you got the first stogie that we've had on the show. I love it. I haven't seen that yet, so <laughs> we welcome it. Hey, I'm trying to bring it back into fashion. Okay? No, man, I wish I had one right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. are people, people, a little, little too worried about that. I, 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 uh, I smoke in, I smoke in mixed company. I smoke outside restaurant doors. Doesn't matter. 
<laughs> I like it, man. I, I do like a good cigar every now and then. But today we're going to talk about hunting dogs. Yeah. I want to dive right in and ask you, uh, you know, start off with your favorite breed. What is your favorite breed of hunting dogs and what like what traits do you like about that breed specifically? It's probably the German wire haired pointer. Uh, I had them. I had those for many, many years. They're so well rounded at doing many things. Uh, they've got they've got all kinds of detractors and all kinds of downsides, but as far as like out of the box, a dog that can probably do more than you can as a hunter, I've just always liked the German wire. I don't own one right now, but it is still my favorite breed. What what are some of the downsides? Like what are the little quirks that kind of get you worked up about that species? Well, the, the quirks with that and, and several other breeds. Um, sorry about that. Said species, yeah, breeds. Sorry. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Late the problem in the day. With that, <laughs> problem with that and several other breeds are the dogs that were tested originally in Germany and sometimes here were bred to dispatch game as well as point game and track game. Um, and that instinct is instincts don't remove, they don't expire. Mm. And that dog typically could also take your daughter's cat out in the front driveway like mine has, the neighbor's cats, uh, fawns. I've seen my dog stalk a calf out in a, in a cattle field that could have came out really bad. Um, that's what, and, and typically uh, they're just, they're a little too tough for their own good. Mm. Um, but all that being said, their, 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 their qualities are fantastic. You know, their, their inherited qualities are just fantastic. And keeping house cats away is an added benefit for me. I that is. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about, you know, some of your, your training tips and you've got a whole show where people can pick up on all the stuff, but kind of what do you got in your bag of tricks that maybe is a little bit different about how you train dogs in particular? Um, I kind of train dogs different in the fact that I'm not a real competitive person. And if I see something in a dog of mine that I kind of, I've learned to read my dogs enough over the years pushing a dog to a level of training that it can't handle usually never comes out real well. And I think, I guess, maybe, I don't know if you want to call it a trick or a system. I just try to read my dog and push it to the point where I can get the most out of it without breaking it down. This, that might kind of lead into this next question I was going to talk to you about. Um, but like, you know, I've had, a couple different guys on to talk about dogs and i've noticed <laughs> when the show launches that people can have a lot of opinions about this it's something that gets people really riled up right um there's a lot of different ways to do things i'm, I'm curious on some of the things that you see uh, a common thing with with new dog owners and trainers in particular is, is there anything you see them kind of doing wrong or something they haven't learned yet well it it, it almost always is they want to go too fast uh, and that could be just because they got a big hunting trip come up or their older dog died and they want to push this younger dog a little quicker. Mm. Dogs mature at different rates. I mean, they all mature by the time, let's say they're two years old, but there's a few dogs that could handle going hunting at four or five months old. Most can't. And I, I think people are just in too big a hurry. Um, Training is a process. It, it's like school. We didn't, we didn't get to read War and Peace by starting out with War and Peace. So we, got, we had to learn the alphabet, right? Yeah. And for whatever dogs can learn, it's got to come in pieces and not be confusing to the dog. 
So for somebody that's get, getting into this and and is trying to pick up some of the, you know, our show kind of focuses a lot of times on on newbies who think people who are learning something for the first time. Yeah. Um, you know, these these dogs are athletes. You know, they're working hard. What what kind of food do you feed your dogs, and what what's your regimen? Like, how often are you feeding them? Like before and after workouts and whatnot. As far as a workout goes, I'll only feed a dog once a day when he starts actually doing some work. And I'll feed that, like any expert would tell you, after the dog has cooled down from its last exercise. So let's say I hunted at 4 o'clock. I put the dog up at 5 o'clock. I'm not going to feed that dog for a solid half an hour until his respiration rate is completely relaxed. And one of the things I do, I, I feed Purina. I've had Purina my whole life with uh, with sporting dogs. One of the things, and a lot of people do this, this is not a Ron Bame tip. The only way dogs can digest that food is with the water that they have internally in their system. And sometimes dogs aren't great at drinking water or you don't have enough water for them. So I always wet my dog food down almost to the point where that dog food is floating in the bowl, almost like cereal in the morning. Um, so they're hungry. They're taking in more water, and that food is going to absorb that water in their stomach instead of water from their muscles. Yeah, I've heard that tip from a few different guys. I think it's yeah. a good one too. It's one I hadn't Stop. thought of. I'm not. I'm not. I haven't um, had hunting dogs per se. I've hunted with dogs, but um, I thought that was a good tip. Um, what is your preferred way of tracking your dogs in the field? You know, I, I know I got buddies at Garmin and I've heard crazy stories about dogs getting lost. Um, I yeah. heard a story of a dog getting lost in an underground cavern one time. And this guy found him because he had a collar on him. And it right. was actually the same place where he had lost a dog years before. And he found that <laughs> dog in there. It's like, woof, that, that one hurts. Right. Uh, but yeah. it's important to, you know, these dogs are running. A lot of stuff can happen and you got a big investment there. Not to mention it's your, you know, a, a, your family right. member too. I'm curious uh, what system you're running to be able to keep up with your dogs. Well, I run a Garmin 550 plus because it's still a good operate operational training collar. Yet it's got a little tracking screen and it's tied into, in fact, it's tied into that Garmin mm, instinct, instinct watch. Yeah. So if I keep that on my forehand being left-handed, all I have to do is while I'm walking, I can look and boom, it levels out and there's my dogs and it tells me my yardage. Um, so I've always been a fan of that. I mean, now the, the instinct watch is relatively new, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but typically once a dog's pretty seasoned, I've never liked a, a big long ranging dog, but some dogs do some dogs hunt out at 400 yards from me in the prairie. Um, so before e or before tracking collars, I always ran a bell on my dog that way. It, I've never not saying it couldn't scare a bird off, but I'd rather be able to be quiet for a minute <clears throat> and then hear that bell mm. off in the distance and at least give you a little peace of mind. So, you know, before tracking collars, I always ran a bell. And uh, since tracking collars came around, I, I used the, all the Garmin product lines. Nice. Yeah. So we're going to put links to all that in the show notes for anybody looking for it. We'll, we'll help you find that, man. Those instincts are so cool. The, the, yeah. um, I love those devices and I, I have a Garmin Phoenix too. Those sync up with their bow sites. So you can find where mm -hmm. that arrow dropped, you know, they sync up to the, they, they do a really good job of cross syncing their products. Right. Um, I, I don't even think I knew that you could sync those dog collars and trackers to, to the watch too. So oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's I can see cool. where both of my dogs are at the same time. Yeah, that's awesome. My watch, yeah. Um, so you know, I'm I'm curious about off season. You know, how do you keep your dogs in, in shape in the off season, and and what's your training regimen when you're not hunting with them? Well, this probably won't 
give anybody a real solid tip. <laughs> I don't do I don't do a lot of off season training. I mean, I I get them on some walks mm-hmm. once a week. I go to a training group, uh, and they have a forty acre field, and they might get a a ten minute jaunt. But I, I've never got my dogs to the point where I exercise them a lot this time of year, and more so than anything else. If the dog did run really hard in 85 degree humid weather, I would rather have that dog kind of treat hunting season like most of us do in the uplands. We kind of walk ourselves into shape. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I've got friends that go with me, and uh, it, the first day he's dying, second day he's uh, third day, yeah, he can hunt all day with us. <laughs> now, I don't say that for a dog, but I because I've got enough dogs, what I kind of do is regulate how long that dog's on the ground. And then swap out a dog. Yeah. As opposed to having, if I had only one dog, I would probably have to do a little bit more summer training and some roading where you build up that resistance. But dogs, there's there's a thing a lot of people don't know about dogs. You can get a litter of dogs, and you can have a dog that's very heat heat intolerant, and you can have another dog from the same litter that it really it can handle the heat better, and. Uh, so I've never really been able to figure out what dog out of a litter that is. So I just kind of don't do a lot of heavy exercise in the warm weather. And I just get their hunting in slowly and I ramp it up. Doesn't take long for a dog to get into shape. I'm not, I'm not running them for four hours at a crack. Are, are any of the breeds uh, specifically a little better at the warmer weather? You, it's from what I understand from people with uh, – what used to be called English pointers, or we just refer to them as pointers now. Mm-hmm. That dog has literally a, a different metabolic makeup when it comes to handling from a hundred years of field trial training and running. I mean, if you see uh, in the Olympics, let's say you see the the runners from Nigeria, they look like they haven't eaten in <laughs> you know in a week, right? I mean, they don't look like they're healthy to us, right? But they're kind of built for that. They're built for the heat. They're built for running. And and that the pointer is kind of like that. He's kind of a natural athlete with a different kind of, uh, I don't want to say uh, uh, boiler engine on him. Or, but I would say that breed is probably going to be more heat tolerant. And, and that would be the one I'd pick. If I lived in Texas or Arizona, I'd, be, I'd run a pointer. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, Ron, I know you had some gear on hand. We kind of talked about the Garmin system. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about for beginners of like must have gear for your hunting dogs? Well, must have, I was, I was wondering if you were going to ask me what's the, you know, some people say, what's the one item you don't leave the truck without, um, literally two whistles. And I've got, I've got this in redundancy in two different vehicles, two different whistles. Uh, you might break the P out of one. You might not. Uh, if I walk out of the truck and I, and I feel my chest and I don't feel that there, I'm going to walk back to the truck. Mm. I want the whistle because the electronics could fail. Anything could fail. I could fall down. I might need to use the whistle for my own safety. And like the whistle is my number one. I don't want, I've left the truck and not turned on my transmitter. I've left the truck and not brought the transmitter, but I put the collar on the dog's neck. But I can always call my dog in with a whistle. Mm-hmm. And a whistle is uh, 100% has to be with me. Um, I also use, this is a very short leash, very short leash. It's, 
goes around the wrist, stays on your wrist. It doesn't come off your wrist. I use that for training. I have one in basically every pocket of every hunting coat or vest because you get to a road and I don't, I don't want a six foot leash. First of all, yeah. I don't want it in my back. I don't want to pull it out. And as you're pulling it out, it looks like a magician pulling out, you know, flowers out of a hat, <laughs> out of a sleeve. I want something short. I want the dog right here. I don't want the dog three feet away. And it's also the training leash that I use when I'm doing table work. So short leash is always with me. A whistle is always with me. And in, in the Garmin case, for people who don't know, this is the, the 550 plus. And when your dog collars are synced up to it, this little screen here, that'll show your dog. It'd be red dog, black dog with an arrow and yardage. It doesn't have any tracking patterns on it. It doesn't give you any data. It doesn't give you your heart rate. It doesn't tell you your stock prices. How It just <laughs> lets you know where your dogs are. Uh, that peace of mind is, those are the three things that give me peace of mind. And when I go hunting, I want peace of mind. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, final question. I didn't, I didn't ask you about this or didn't prep you on this, but I'm kind of curious. What, what kennel are you using? I use two kinds of kennels. Uh, when I'm on a long trip, I use what people refer to as a hound kennel. It fits wall to wall in my truck and I can put two dogs on each side of it. It's a very low kennel. The dogs get in, turn around and lay down. I don't want my dog standing up when I'm in off season going to the training grounds or going to a, you know, an hour away, I use an outside kennel or a travel kennel that's made by Gunner Kennels. Um, they're a sponsor of my podcast. Of course, I get a very good price on them, basically free, but they are 100. I had one of them without a dog in it. I had one of them flip out of my truck because I didn't strap it down on all four corners. The back end of it caught wind and flipped out and hit the highway behind me, much to probably three people behind me's fear. It hit the ground. It dragged by a strap. I pulled over, and there was nothing wrong with it. Um, wow. the, the kennel's the kennel's more indestructible than the truck, me or the dog. Uh, but that's what I use for a transport kennel for single dog or off season off season work. Okay, awesome. And Ron, final thing, uh, just. Tell people you got a podcast where you talk about this stuff all day long. Where can people find out more uh, from you and on your show? Well, I've been, I have had the Hunting Dog Podcast since ooh, 2015. So I'm in my seventh year. We do four episodes a month, and it comes to everything from all different breeds of hunting dogs to testing formats, conservation, authors of hunting books. I, I really try to mix it up quite a bit. And you could all you have to do is look up Hunting Dog Podcast. You know, nobody needs a WW anymore. <laughs> uh, we have a website that lists all of our episodes. We have some stories written by, you know, people that are, are members or listeners. But mostly it's just a, a way to collect information and keep people abreast of what's going on. Yeah, man. All right. We're going to put links to that. Thank you so much for coming on and doing the show, Ron. This is great.
right, thank you, Ron. I can't believe you had the Hunting Dog Show podcast host himself on here to talk about hunting. This was awesome. Great show. I still love the fact that the dude smoked a stogie the entire way through. I, everyone else that doesn't smoke a stogie on Gearbox Talk so far or or going forward will let me down. I'm just saying. A uh, reminder on a few things. All the gear that we talked about in this show is in the show notes. If you buy any of that gear, we're going to donate 1% of our proceeds from Ecom Sales to the nonprofit Raise Them Outdoors. They teach kids to hunt, fish, hike, shoot, camp, all this great stuff in the outdoors that you like to do. And we're helping bring in the next generation with this nonprofit that we sponsor. So make sure you check that out. Please check out Go Wild. You can download and create a free account to get 10 bucks. Go to downloadgowild.com to do so. That's it for me today, though, guys. I'm out. We'll